everyone. Thanks for joining us on the GYST podcast, where we discuss topics to help you get your together. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to another edition of your favorite podcast, the GYST podcast, also known as Get Your Shit Together. That started out so creepy. Did you think the same thing? I was like, oh my God. Hello, everyone, and welcome. It reminded me of a movie. I'm drawing a blank on the name. Yeah. Yeah. Something with a serial killer. For sure. Oh, man. Just drawing on my life skills as a killer. Okay, Dexter. Uh, All right. (laughs) Well, ladies and gentlemen, I am one of your hosts, Rohit Rohila, and with me in the studio... Uh, are Kevin Barquest <laughs> and Kyle Reed, your co-hosts for the evening, for the week, for the month, for whatever, for the rest of their lives. Ooh, creepy. <laughs> oh, man. I like this. It's getting dark. Very. Uh, very. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, I will hand the microphone over to one of my co-hosts, or tri-hosts, or one of my hosts, one of my buddies, uh, Ken Barquest, my insurance agent. And uh, is let he really him. your insurance agent? He is. All right. Yeah, yeah true story. It happened. Yeah. Uh, and it happened because of the episode that we did with Kevin. I remember that. Cover your assets. I think it was 92 or something. And you were like, I don't even know if I have homeowner's insurance. Yeah. And he was like, well, let's talk you, about it. Yeah. You you definitely have it, but we should probably talk about it because yeah. you should know more about it than that. And you did the same <laughs> thing at lunch today. Talk yeah, to him about did, some, some stuff. So. If you uh, listeners are interested in learning more about insurance, uh, you can email Kevin at Kevin at GYSTpodcast.com, and he'll be more than happy to. Um, the one thing I, I do like about Kevin is I never felt like you were trying to win my business. I, I really never felt that way. You were just asking open, honest questions, and then based on the feedback, you were like, you know, this could happen or this could happen or whatever. I never felt that. And that's why I ended up going with you. Yeah. I mean, I take definitely take a different approach. I just, I'm in the industry to help people. If I was in it to be rich, I'm in the wrong industry, (laughs) (laughs) especially, especially uh, in the early years in the insurance. So, so again, ladies and gentlemen, that is Kevin at gystpodcast.com. And he'll be more than happy to answer any questions you may have. So, with that, Kevin, I'm going to hand it over to you because the topic for this episode came from you, and you know I'd like to hear some of your thoughts on it. Well, I, I like Kyle's name for it, though, a little bit better oh, than yeah. mine. Uh, <laughs> and I think we're going with this, but uh, technology, instrumental or detrimental? And You be I, the judge. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> there are... I mean, technology's got all of these cool things. You know, you can, I can right now log into my phone and remote start my truck from here. I mean, that's super cool and all. But at what point is technology beneficial to our lives? And at what point does it harm us? And I think that there's so many different talking points on both. Technology has brought our society so far forward from where we were even 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, we could even go 11 because I think that's when the first iPhone came out. But, oh yeah, you know, we've been able to exponentially grow the technology and the uses for it 
to where you can walk into a McDonald's nowadays and, you know, order without even talking to someone. Mm-hmm. And then someone will bring out your food to the number and all that good stuff. Um, but then you have the other flip side of it. And, you know, a friend of mine posted something on the East Coast where a lot of younger kids these days, they interact through technology almost exclusively. Um, and they're out of school at this point for the summer. And he had a, a pool party for his his son. And, you know, a couple girls came over. They were on one side and the, the boys were on the other. And he had made a few comments about how awkward they were because they don't interact. And he talked to him later. And that's really why all of their inter- interacting is through, like, Snapchat and Instagram and texting and, you know, Facebook Messenger and all that versus actual verbal communication where... You're actually in front of someone talking like we're doing right now. And yes, we're we're talking using technology to benefit others. It's not always a benefit, though. Yeah. You had mentioned that about having technology in all the time. It's so funny that we're doing this episode today. In the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny we're doing this today. I can't handle you right now. That was a great joke. I can't handle you right now. Because in the morning, when I drive to work, I always listen to some sort of talk radio. NPR, Cairo, uh, 99.9, you know, BJ Migs in the morning, or 19.5. I'll listen to anything. Mm-hmm. As long as they're talking, sometimes I don't want to listen to music at all. This morning, they were talking about how uh, in school, you don't learn how to do things like taxes. You don't learn how to get a mortgage you don't know what that means you don't know what points on a loan is you don't learn important life skills but you learn fractions mm-hmm. and in school we're all around the same age i would imagine you two were told the same thing that i was told about calculators and why you can't use them because you're not always going to have a calculator on you as we hold up our <laughs> smartphones bullshit mrs johnson yeah <laughs> yeah yep, for sure for whoever right um, That's because we're that all like dial-up internet and it worked a quarter of the time. Right. Or if we even had it. Right. <laughs> I didn't get internet until I was in high school. Yeah. I was still using encyclopedias. I agree. It's like, what the hell, man? But it's funny to see how how far that has come, right? You couldn't, you, you had to learn all these weird mathematical equations and fractions and everything else because you weren't always going to have a calculator on you, but now we do. Mm-hmm. So we leverage technology today that we didn't believe would even exist 20 years ago, 25 years ago. You didn't want to carry around your Texas Instruments TI-83X <laughs> or whatever it was, right? So that's one thing that is that was, it just happened to be a topic on the radio this morning that I laughed at, and we're talking about technology now today. Um, when, we, when we talk about that, what do you think that's done now? Because we have this technology at our fingertips day in and day out, maybe we didn't need to learn it. But what if you didn't have that on you? Then what? Navigation. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did. recently yeah. I recently went somewhere and I was unable to use any form of modern navigation technology. By design, not because you're out in the boondocks. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Kind of in the boondocks in certain areas. <laughs> um, my Spotify kept stopping. <laughs> but I, I had to navigate somewhere using traditional maps, which I thought was, was fun and entertaining. 
But the one thing that really changed for me was I got, I think, more anxiety as I was driving because I didn't have the safety net of redirection. Mm -hmm. I had to redirect myself if I drove past an exit or I took the wrong exit. Mm -hmm. So I recognized in myself that I kept hyperactively checking every single exit and taking a look. What, what mile marker am I at now? And estimating where I needed to be at. Um, and I'm very familiar with mile markers and highway directions and, and everything like that. I, I don't know, I just enjoy it for whatever silly reason. Um, but I think that I've allowed myself to rely on the prompts given to me. And I've become a zombie to navigation, to my okay. calendar, mm -hmm. to text messages, to phone calls. To the technology that I've leveraged to make my life easier, I've allowed it to make myself reactive. I think that's a great fundamental example because that's exactly what technology has done is it has allowed us to do exactly that yeah. and kind of just coast through and uh, not enjoy the ride, if you will. And by enjoy the ride, I mean the, the interaction with people. People are the coolest thing about the world that we're, we're in today. You know, some of them are assholes, but, <laughs> you know, we get to pick and choose who we're around based off of, you know, how we interact and you know, how they interact with us. Mm. Um, unfortunately, I think technology, you know, very clearly has just taken a lot of that away. Like on your drive, you know, you were so worried about missing some missing yeah. something, you were paying attention to everything, where, you know, if you had your phone and your or your GPS in your car or whatever you normally use, you know, you don't have to absorb it all in. You're just kind of... Yeah. Kind of zombie land. I'm just cruising. Not really paying attention. I'm zoning mm -hmm. out. Maybe I'm zoning out to music and enjoying that. Um, but I'm I'm not paying attention to every detail, to every landmark, to every tree, to every stop, to every sign on the highway, to every bit of roadkill, right? Or whatever that is. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's, that's, I think that's an, an example of it being both instrumental in our ability to see more parts of the world but also detrimental in preventing us from being able to navigate ourselves in no left from right right like Emily she can't get anywhere without navigation she's like well how do I get there what do you mean how do you get there you just go when I'm driving anywhere in town I usually don't put navigation on because I'll just I'll just go. I'll figure out a route. If this route looks busy, then I'll take a right or I'll take a left. I know my way around the city, so I just go. I don't think about it. And I usually, I'll enjoy it more when I'm doing that. Um, I don't like getting on the freeway usually if it's local driving. I like to take the back roads, take the scenic route. I don't know why, I just enjoy it. I do too. Do you? Definitely. Okay, so I'm not crazy. Oh, yeah. I'm not the oh, only yeah, no. one. No, even, like, even if we're just coming from a couple cities away, I'll drive through town yeah. just to... Just to do it. I don't know. Yeah, just because. Yeah. You get to see more stuff. I, I enjoy yeah. it. So from that perspective, I think it's enjoyable. Um, what else about technology? I mean, I think the way media is delivered has drastically changed. You know, cable. Let's go back to TVs. Mm -hmm. Right? You had to, well, not 
you or I necessarily. I don't know, maybe you did. But our, our parents listened to TV shows, well, radio shows rather. And now we have 60, 70, 80 inch flat TVs that can deliver any content you want at the push of a button whenever you want. Mm-hmm. You don't have to show up in front of your TV on a Friday night at 7.30 to watch Family Matters. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Although back then, I always was. I always did, right? <laughs> you knew where everybody was at at 7.30. Yeah. You was playing, hey, gotta go home, watch Family Matters. <laughs> I ain't yeah. missing out on Laura Winslow, goddammit. You don't yep. want to go to... Oh, right. God, she was gross. What? She was ugly. We're not going to talk about this right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Her friend was cuter. Myra Monkhouse. Myra, yeah. Or but the other one. Cherry? Uh, was that her name? I don't remember. Or Cherry name, or something? I don't know. But her friend was cute. Maybe Cherry was her name in Punky Brewster. I don't remember. I don't know. But anyways, um, <laughs> one, one of the things that, that I wrote down is... You were talking about GPS and, and always using that, right? And then you started talking about TV and how we've got everything, you know, just like that. And it, and it got me to, to thinking, when when people use GPS, they don't need to think about where they're going because they've got someone giving them instructions on, on where to go. So what do they do instead of paying attention to the road or, you know, where they're going or looking at the map or whatever? They listen to music, which is another form of letting go. And I think what society is right now is we're trying to do as much as we can to fully be on autopilot for our lives. You know, oh, what do I get? If I go to a restaurant, what do I want to order? I know, I'll look at Yelp and see what everyone else ordered. And then that's what I'll order. I'm hungry, where do I go? I don't know. Let, let's, you know, Google what's around me. Okay, that looks good. That gets some good reviews. I'll go there. Mm-hmm. The more we put our life on autopilot, I think what it's doing is it the reason why we are investing so much in, in being on autopilot is blame. It takes the blame off of us. Kyle, you didn't have autopilot. You didn't have GPS. You didn't want to miss the exit because that would be your fault. 100%. And because of that... There's implications to it yeah. as well. Because I don't have something else to rely on to get me back on track. I got to get myself back on track. And and same thing when, when you're talking about Emily. I, I know people, exact same. Like, you know, if they're going to the movies, I know exactly how to get there. I can walk you through it in my mind. But there are people who will still GPS it or, or you know, use ways to find out, oh, what's the best route? Mm-hmm. Because it's going to get me there 20 seconds earlier or whatever. Right, that's exactly what I do. I, I always plug it in so I can find out how long it's going to take. And and I think what that does is that shifts the blame away from us. Mm-hmm. Oh, it wasn't my fault. You know, Waze told me to go this way. So you're thinking responsibility from a blame factor. From a blame, yeah. People are relinquishing responsibility. And what I wrote down and, and briefly mentioned, so I wrote down one, automation. Mm-hmm. So you're talking autopilot. Yeah. And the other thing was it allows us to be reactive instead of proactive. So yeah. we don't even have to make decisions. We don't. So not only are you saying we're relinquishing blame, yeah. we're not even making any decisions at all. And I think what that does is it has an even further detrimental effect on us. And, and to talk about is is tech instrumental or detrimental in, in terms of this. Because of that, we are no longer present. If I use GPS so I can think, I'm present. I'm in the moment. But if I do it to listen to music, I'm no longer in the moment. 
Kyle's challenge that he talked about earlier, um, the only thing I gave you was a name. Mm-hmm. I said, go to Port Manchester. You had to figure out how to get there. Mm-hmm. You didn't even know what city it was. You didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. Would you have ever gone to that place if you didn't know about it? No, I don't think so. Because yeah. um, it, it would have had to have come up somewhere through a recommendation. It's it's off the beaten path. Yeah. It's not a direction I normally go. I've been to Port Orchard tons of times. Chris used to live there. We would go to Moon Dogs too. It was also right on the water in Port Orchard. And go drinking. It's not Moondogs 2 anymore. It's something else. But I didn't know it existed. Yeah. Until you told me. And you know how I found that place? Hmm. I found it on one of my solo road trips. Yeah, that's right. You told me that. So because I'm not using GPS, because I don't have a destination, I'm present. I'm in the moment. Mm -hmm. I was driving by this road, and there were were, uh, probably like eight guys holding up a sign that says, You honk, we drink. And I, like, honked my horn several times, and they're like, yeah, and they start drinking. I pulled a Yui, and I joined them. That's freaking awesome. And, you know, found out all about them. They invited me to their house party, all this kind of stuff, and it was fantastic. But I did that because I was present. And I think the more people put their life on autopilot through through the use of GPS, through the use of DVRs, through cell phones, all this kind of stuff, we're no longer present. Think about when you go to lunch, everyone's got their phone with them. I have my phone. I take a quick picture of my lunch. I set my phone away because I want to be present. And I think where where that, and if we want to talk about like time savings as far as tech goes, right? Is If it's instrumental or detrimental productivity-wise. The book Jurassic Park has, um, and it's, it's in the book, it's not in the movie, but Dr. Ian Malcolm talks about uh, technology, right, in, in his whole thing about chaos theory. And he was talking about all the advances that we have in the kitchen, everything from the microwave oh my goodness, to mixers. Microwave. Um, air ovens, fryers. Air fryers, everything, right? He wasn't talking about those, though. He was. <laughs> he was. <laughs> uh, but, but we've had all these technological advances. And he's like, why is it women still today? And this wasn't from a sex, sexist standpoint, you know, just want to get that out there. Uh-huh. But but why is it women still spent the same amount of time in the kitchen in the 90s as they did in the 50s? With with the advent of all these, like, you know, time-saving things, why is it the same amount of time is being spent somewhere? And I think the same thing can be said with, with technology. Is it really making us more productive? Well, if we still work eight hours a day, are we really accomplishing more? than we would without this tech in, in eight hours a day? Or are we just adding more and more to it so we feel more and more stressed out? Take a look at our jobs before when, when you know, uh, if somebody was doing our job without the benefits of, of an IM service or, or email, things like that, they still got the work done. Companies were still making billions of dollars, but how'd they do it? Well, now we've got these tools available and the companies are still making the same amount of money. But now what used to take maybe let's say 10 hours now happens in eight hours. So we are a little bit more productive, but because we're still doing 10 hours worth of work in eight hours, our stress level goes up. And so I know that there was a study done that said the use of multiple monitors mm-hmm. actually decreases productivity. Oh yeah. But what do you see in, in all locations at work now? 
almost it's standard to have two monitors. Yeah. And what do people do? Okay, I'll have my Outlook open on one, and I'll have the the application that I'm using at the time open on another. I am willing to argue that that does decrease productivity because now, anytime there's a ding to let me know that there's a new email, I'm going to switch my body, move my head, look at the email. Do I need to respond right now? Do I not? Okay, I don't need to. Then I'm going to shift back and go back to work. Yeah, It's not that simple. It takes X amount of time for your body to have, for, for your mind to have the same amount of focus. I agree with that sentiment 100%. Yeah. I disagree, though, with the oh, two-monitor thing. Yeah, well, let's duke it out. The Agreed. reason why. The reason why uh-huh. is because I can do two things. I can do things with two monitors that I can't do with one as efficiently or effectively. Mm-hmm. Your example with Outlook on one and application on another, I'm with you. Because it is really hard to get right back to speed where you were on something. Mm-hmm. If something else pulls your attention away. Instant messaging if something pops up, right? Yeah. From an application standpoint, I think Skype and Teams are worlds apart from what you expect in this messaging platform that's another discussion but say if I need to have a spreadsheet up on one piece and something to build quotes or pricing or reference one thing in order to build something else I absolutely have to have two monitors so I think that if you can take that idea to your action items then you can be more productive. But I think the average person doesn't. They let themselves right. be distracted by an email, yeah. an instant message, whatever else it may be. So you're right. I, I will agree with you. Um, it, it's, what? <laughs> um, and, and an example that I can think of is you guys in my office. Oh, you have three? Four. 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 Yeah. I've got four yeah, one monitors, vertical. right? So I've got, I've got three landscape, one vertical. Um, and I can tell you, when I've got... Most of the time, I, I am always using at least three, right? And it, it started off when I was working on my website because on one, I would have Photoshop open for, for all the graphic stuff. On another, I'd have the coding that I'm doing for my CMS. Um, and on the other is the actual website so I can make changes and see how it reflects and all that kind of stuff. So I would use three monitors. Mm-hmm. But then... Um, I started noticing that when I was working on a specific application, right? Um, So, Sam just taking a time out to check something real quick. Okay, we're good. What's the timestamp? Doesn't matter. We can write it down. Uh, 24.40. Okay, Sam, we are back in three, two, one. One of the things that I noticed was when I am using a single application, right? Like say I'm just writing something mm-hmm. and I have Word open. Uh, when I would have other monitors open, I'm like, the mentality is, oh, wait a minute. Like I've got all this other real estate. Let me do something else. And I started having YouTube up um. constantly on a single monitor. Because I, I could do that and you know because or, I can or watch Plex or you know just whatever oh. and I noticed my productivity would go down. So now when I definitely need to like kick myself in the butt and be productive, I only use a single monitor. And I think that even goes back to the fact that multitasking was a ta- was was a skill set that was revered 
you would mention that all the time. I'm, I'm a great multitasker. Well, now all the studies are showing multitasking is a myth. Your brain cannot handle multiple things at the same time. You Bounce think you can, <laughs> but, but you really can't. And because of that myth, I think if you are, are in a work environment where you have multiple monitors, right? Turn one off when you are doing certain things, when you really need to do stuff, you know? And you're going to see your productivity increase. But if you, yeah, I, I agree with you all the time. If, if you genuinely need to use two applications at the same time, yeah, the multi-monitor setup makes sense. But going back to kind of what, what you were mentioning, Kevin, or sorry, not Kevin, but, but Kyle, we aren't taught how to be effective at utilizing technology, just like we aren't taught life skills mm-hmm. as in, in high school, you know, how to do taxes and mortgage and all that kind of stuff, you yeah. know? So your, your point was great. My previous employer, I was in charge of a, uh, a group that was all about um, how to make that work environment not only fun, a place where people would want to go, but we wanted to increase retention and, and make everyone more productive. Monday, fun day. And uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. one of the things that I suggested was um, once a month, we pick a new technology and we teach everyone it. PowerPoint, for example. And the feedback I would get, oh, everyone knows how to use PowerPoint. BS. No. I was part of the, the office training team at Microsoft. I guarantee you people don't know how to use PowerPoint. People struggle through PowerPoint. They yeah. think they know how to do it, but they right. don't. It's just like people think they know how to use Excel. Yeah, yeah. And, and Outlook. Oh, man, Excel. Oh, right? Holy cow. People Dude, use their... so many things in Outlook yeah. that I still learn things every... Well, not every day, but to this day, I still learn things in Outlook. And I'm like, holy shit, you can do that? <laughs> people, You ask everyone in a corporate environment, where's your to-do list? Oh, here it is. That's not to-do list. That's your inbox. But that's how they use it. Oh, I know this is an action item for me because I flagged it. No, you don't know how to use Outlook. And and that's that's the thing is once you know how to be more effective in these tools, your productivity is going to increase. But when I brought this up, I presented multiple, multiple um, reasons why, multiple re- research that was done. I was shot down immediately hmm. because people know how to use that technology. They believe they do. They believe they do. And, and so does management. Mm-hmm. But same thing. Like when you go into the workforce, are you ever taught how to use Outlook? No. There's like, oh, we use Outlook for email. Cool. Like, no, no, no. You don't know anything else besides that. Yeah. And I didn't use it much. Um, previous, I used webmail, right? Just whatever webmail application I was using. I don't remember. What, it might have been Outlook web app, but it was an older one. and It was archaic. So there was things that I didn't know how to do. And I was like, nudge somebody, hey, how do I do this? How do I do that? So whenever I saw someone else that was new that I recognized was struggling with Outlook, I would lend a helping hand. Hey, I had the same problems. Here's how you do this. Also, do this. It helps. Create this, you know, and some few things. Um, I wrote something down here when you were talking about chaos theory. Mm-hmm. And... You had mentioned the why, with all the technological advancements in the kitchen, mm-hmm. in the you know early '90s, whenever the this was, when was the book? 
80s probably, huh? Um, I think it was early 90s. Early 90s, yeah, okay. Why do people spend the same amount of time in the kitchen as they did even though it was technological advancements? And I think you take a look at it now, and I think it's different. Mm -hmm. I think that since then it has evolved. And this, to me, is an example of technology being detrimental. Meals today take less time than they did at that time. And I think maybe it was adoption of said technology. And also, it was tribal knowledge. Those same, and again, this is not to be sexist or gender biased, but those same women Mm -hmm. were making the same recipes from their mothers and grandmothers who didn't have the technology. So they hadn't adopted the technology yet, I don't believe. So I think the curve was a little bit slow. Now that the curve has gotten here, look at what has happened with obesity, heart disease, cancer, all these things mm-hmm. caused by technology. Wow. Technology mm-hmm. and food preparation. Technology and food growth. Yeah. I mean, look at what we're doing to food. Look at what we're doing to animals. Look at what we're doing to vegetables and fruits. That's brought on by technology. And that's harming us on a daily basis. Uh. I think that is an example that I didn't even consider until you said that, that is extremely detrimental, that affects us every single day that we overlook. Well, a a great example of that is when you think about, you know, the 20s and 30s or whatever, you know, way back when, who were the rich people? The rich people were all big. Yeah. Because they could afford the food and whatnot. And the skinny, healthy people were all people who were poor. Now it's the complete opposite. Rich people are are skinny and healthy because they can afford, you know, organics and and going to the gym. Fruits and vegetables. Perishables. Stuff not in a box. Yeah. Or can, basically, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, And I don't necessarily think it's affordability now, although that is a factor. I think it's education. Okay. awareness yeah you know whereas before you didn't have that awareness you know I'm, I remember there were times I, I think the growing up thing is laziness yeah because can... because time and efficiency are probably not the words I'm looking for but I'm going to use them that becomes paramount to someone who doesn't want to prepare a meal someone who doesn't want to do the research yeah yeah. So I, it's well, I, I think it's more than that. I, I think it's a combination of that and money, especially if you have a family, because mm-hmm. it's a lot different for, you know, preparing and purchasing meals for five two, three, or four. four five yeah, there is for one or two. One or two, exactly. True. And there, there definitely is a cost factor, and you know, usually those same people are mm-hmm. stuck in a in a spot where they have limited amount of time. So, yeah, these vegetables and fruits and all that stuff are great and, you know, the fresh and organic meats and everything, but mm-hmm. it takes longer to prepare. You have to come up with recipes. You got to, you know, do some actual planning yeah. to be able to make consistent good meals happen. And I think that's why we're still stuck, you know, living out of a box or in the frozen section. Because we're marketed to that. Right. Right. So I'll yep. give you an idea of an extremely cheap, healthy, nutrient-rich meal. Power Bowl. A can of black beans is 50 cents. Quinoa or brown rice is extremely cheap. Throw in some zucchini, some broccoli, some bell peppers, some onions, 
Produce is really, really cheap too. Bell peppers are like a buck. Mm-hmm. You could feed a family of four for probably eight to ten dollars, way cheaper than McDonald's. Sure. It's like one meal these days. Yeah, you yeah. get you get good protein. You get good complex carbohydrates, not sugar-based carbohydrates. You get fiber, and you get all the nutrients and the vegetables. Now it's a vegetarian meal. Yeah, if you want to throw in chicken, you can. If you want to throw in steak, you know, beef, pork, whatever, you can do that. Now I recognize somebody doesn't want to eat that every day, but that was just something that just boom. And it can be done in 15 minutes. Well, maybe a little longer because of quinoa rice. But you do that right. while you do whatever else. You press a button. Technology. <laughs> now, now, I've got a question for you, Kyle Reed. i got an answer for you, Rohit Rohila. <laughs> um, earlier, you talked about school. Yeah. Right? And how we are taught to do, you know, encouraged to do math in our heads or whatnot because we won't always have calculators with us. Whatnot, On paper. Right? we got to show our work. Right? Yeah. Do you think health is one of those things as well? Because I can tell you in my health class, I wasn't taught the right things to eat. I was taught, okay, here's how you get air. It's the lungs. Here's how the small intestine works. All that stuff. I th- Do you think that's something that should be taught is nutrition? I think the food pyramid has been debunked, right? The food pyramid Hands that we down, grew right? up on yep. Hands down, is okay. essentially non-existent. And it hasn't been replaced with anything. So I think the knowledge around nutrients and intake and food as fuel yeah. rather than food as something that uh, elicits receptors in your brain, the, the, the warm and fuzzy feelings when you eat fried chicken, <laughs> right? Or meatloaf or whatever, whatever your comfort food is. Um, I don't think it's been replaced with anything. I don't know. I don't know what's being taught so, in schools. But. So I have two two girls in elementary school, and they do talk about nutrition, but mm-hmm. there's no, definitely nothing has replaced the actual food yeah. pyramid. They're just like, fruits and vegetables, good. School lunch All program, this other no. stuff, bad. What's there, yeah. right? I mean. Oh, it's, a, it's the same exciting. stuff that when we had. Most exciting same. for me was getting chocolate milk every day in middle school. Right? <laughs> no, I mean... Not much has changed? Yeah, no. It's literally like the same type of stuff. Really? Still pizza on Fridays, chicken nuggets. Nachos. Yeah, nachos, <laughs> yeah, nachos hot dogs. Macho nachos. Yeah, and, you know, that part hasn't really changed. But the education part, at least during the physical education classes, is there. Okay. When it really wasn't there before. No, it was run, do um, whatever. Yeah, exactly. And, and now they... So my oldest daughter's in fifth grade, and she's about to go to middle school next year. And we got a like a notification that she's going to have a test for physical fitness. And it wasn't, hey, you have to do all these things. I mean, that's part of it. But there's an actual test that they have to study for that they have to be able to pass to, you know, earn their grade for oh. for participation. And some of it's on nutrition. Some of it's on overall physical health. I mean, it, it was actually really interesting. Huh. And it, it gave us an opportunity to go through and walk through and see what her understanding is of that. That's awesome. Yeah, and there's been different things that have come through over the last couple of years, take-homes that they give to the kids. And, yeah. You know, instead of eating all this nasty cereal for breakfast, make this. That's it, true. Which is kind of, kind of interesting, because that wasn't a thing when we were in school. No, Lucky Charms are delicious. Right. And, <laughs> and you know what I wonder, though, is how many parents would fight that? Like, I... You are, are more open, and you see the value in that. But I bet you there were tons of parents who were calling up the school. What do you mean they need to take a physical test? 
And what do you mean they need to do all this kind of stuff? Like, you know, that's not why I'm sending them. Or even more so, if if I'm the parent who always gives my kid cereal, right? And now all of a sudden the kid comes up to me. I'm not supposed to eat the stuff. This is all bad stuff. The school told me. Well, who are you to say what I need to feed my kids? Right. I can I can see people doing that now, yeah. which is so, unfortunate. So you've kind of summed up how the school process goes nowadays. Parents complain about which is everything. probably why the food yeah. pyramid and, was never replaced. And well, yeah, I mean, it's a combination of all of these things, but parents have a voice and the schools listen. The downside is they've taken on the role of teaching the parent, but they're not disciplining the kids any longer, which mm-hmm. We're kind of getting off topic here, but you're, you're, right, you're right on because that's a whole other tangent, a whole other topic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we could go down a rabbit trail for yeah hours the, the next yeah. week. Um, <laughs> well, how about yeah. we we save this for another day? And what if we end this episode and have Kari do his uh, his world famous two minute two minute takeaway? Can can I get a drum roll? Comment. I know. I know. <laughs> I miss that. It's, it's funny because... I Chris... used to do this like outro. Well, introduction to me for the outro, yeah. I suppose, is what it would be. And uh, we do need to do something because I told you Christina listened to all of them like starting from episode one. Oh, is she through, right now? Oh, wow. and, and she made a point. She's like, you know what? Like I miss those like extravagant Kyrie two-minute takeaway intros. <laughs> Oh, gosh. And you hated it at the beginning. The first couple of times, I was like, uh, it made me feel awkward. And it was like, it's the epitome of putting somebody on the spot. Yeah. Like 100%, right? But then when we would not do it, he'd be offended. I'm like, hold up, guys. Because then it became routine. It became like my ritual. Like, it got me ready. Anyway. um, Technology. Instrumental or detrimental. We talked about a lot of things today. We talked about how automation is key, but it also puts you on autopilot. It allows you to, well, allow is probably not the right word that I'm using here, but it uh, enables you, for better or worse, to become reactive rather than proactive. When you become a slave to an Outlook chime, to an instant message chime, to a text message chime, to a navigation chime, whether that be an old school TomTom, if you're still using one of those, or Waze or Google Maps or whatever it is, Technology has enabled us to become lazy and reliant. And it's given us the ability to not take responsibility for our own actions or inactions, therefore. Bro had had mentioned something about when you take a look at Yelp, if you're not sure where you want to eat, you let the ratings make a decision for you. You don't make a decision for yourself. You don't even think about what you want. You think about what has the best ratings. What is the rest of America like? That's what I want. So now you're just falling in line with the sheep, falling in line with the masses. Is that what technology's supposed to do? Is it shaping us to be just like everyone else? Or is it truly here to give us the ability to enrich our lives and allow us to take bigger steps and leaps forward than we ever have? I think... That's something that you need to decide for yourself. And hopefully after today's episode, you're armed with the ability to do so. So with that said, I'll say it again. Technology is instrumental or detrimental to today's society. You decide. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next week on a GYSD podcast, baby. Get your shit together.
Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening to our GYST podcast. We hope you learned how to get your together. 